Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Kate Larson. Now, Kate... Another amazing person out there in that science communication field. She is in the world of geology. We're going to talk all about being a geologist, what it means, how to get into geology, what made her so passionate about it. She's known kind of out in those social media circles as either Groovy Geologist or Rock Talk Kate. Big presence on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, Amazing person that uh, kind of just like the person we had on that talked about astronomy and space kate does a really good job as well in the world of geology kind of breaking it down making it easier to understand for people who are not at all you know science savvy you're going to learn in this interview one of those people are me i'm sure i asked some silly questions but she was nice enough to break it down and answer it for me now let me say started this interview i kind of got into some technical questions and asked you know about her past research and about some more technical stuff i even kind of joked about how i sound like i was giving her a job interview so get through that uh, really interesting stuff but that's not what the bulk of this is good 10 minutes in we're going to kind of jump to some of the the fun things we do a lightning round of uh geology questions uh we get some big things answered like what's in the middle of the earth and you know what's a fossil all these things she's going to tell us so i think whether you love geology whether you love science or have no idea about any of it i think you're going to enjoy this we all want to know kind of what uh, what the earth's made up and what uh what that crazy rock is and speaking of rocks we're also going to learn about kate's least favorite rock I, uh, I've never met someone who has a favorite or least favorite rock, so I really enjoyed hearing about that with her. I thought it was kind of funny. She's just got this distaste for one certain rock. You're going to learn all about it. It's called Corsite, but you're going to see why she uh, hates it so dang much. But I really, really enjoyed speaking with her. I think you're going to learn so much from, uh, from Kate, and I think that you're going to really enjoy just her passion behind, uh, behind science and behind geology. So without further ado, here is Kate Larson. I'm here today with Kate Larson. Kate, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it for sure. We're going to kind of talk about, uh, I guess, another world of science. I've talked to, to several different people in kind of that, that science industry uh, a lot of, you know, ladies in the industry just rocking it out. And I, I realize that's almost a pun for what we're going to talk about here. Uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself before we kind of get into uh, your your chosen field. Well, I am a geologist working in science communication. So I like to call myself a geocommunicator. I do kind of what Bill Nye does, but just for geology. I get really specific and I love to just explain things. I am... I, I love what I do. I love what I've learned about and I love to teach. So getting to share that information with the world using, you know, the power of social media is, uh, is, is really, is really great. Absolutely. And what started your interest in, in geology? I don't feel like it's necessarily the, the first thing I think of when I know that, you know, kids are, are wanting to be firefighters and teachers and all this stuff. Was it something at a young age? Was it something while you were in college that interests you? Or how did this come about? 
I actually didn't know what I wanted to do for a really long time. I didn't have like, oh, a dream career when I was a little kid. I wound up falling in love with space as a kid, but I didn't know that I could really do anything with that until I got to college and I was an astronomy major for my first year. And then I took a planetary geology class because it, you know, it's planets. And I think that Mars is cool. I, I like Pluto. And I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I want to do mm. this. And I set out to do planetary geology. And then it just kind of bled into everything geology. Yeah. So is it just, I mean, was it a complete surprise before then? Would you grow up at all interested in this field? And I was. I was a really um, curious kid. I love the outdoors. And these are a lot of like personality traits that you see with, you know, geologists. We all had similar experiences with nature and wanting to always ask questions and then problem solve. So it, it, there were a lot of clues, but I never expressed or ever felt like an actual interest in geology. I did not know what geology was until I got to college. And I've actually spoken with or, you know, I, I took like a poll of a bunch of geologists um, from all different career stages, you know, students all the way up to retired geologists. And most of them, like about like 75, 80 percent said that they didn't know that it was a career option until they got to college. So we yeah. just like don't no one's really talking about it, you know. So that's what I'm doing is talking about it and introducing it to people. Geology is a huge field. Astronomy is a huge field. Biology, all these things are really big. Um, but they all kind of specialize in one thing. I know you talked about planetary, something that you're interested in. I don't know if that's still kind of your, what you specialize in, if you're just kind of in the communication area now, or what is your, your specialization? I'm really focused on communication at the moment, but part of communication, you know, is knowing a lot of things. You have to be kind of broad in your knowledge, but it's also really helpful that I have specific knowledge of you know, a few things. And that does include planetary geology and also a little bit of geophysics and then a little bit of sedimentary geology. Um, and then I had research projects in college that combined all of those where I got to look at and, and study the theoretical dynamics of glaciers on Mars. No, that's, that's awesome for sure. And that's kind of into the next question. I want to hear a little bit about some of the research that you you've done in the past. I know now you're kind of in the, the communication field, but talk about some of that research and then maybe even things that you're still doing in, in that regard. So I actually did a total of three research projects as a college student, and I had presented two of them at a research conference. So the first one I had done, I was really into this whole idea of Martian glaciers and trying to come up with some uh, formula or relation that would help me figure out how big glaciers should have been on Mars, you know, ice mm. sheets, the Northeast experienced a lot, you know, the Earth's Northeast United States was covered in a giant ice sheet uh, around 20,000 years ago. And I believe that there are parts of Mars that had the same experience because we see the same kinds of landforms there. So I really looked into that and I came up with this. Um, it's not an equation. It's more like a relation because nothing's equal to each other. It's just kind of proportionate. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went on to do at a different internship. I did some, a similar thing, but with the Greenland ice sheet, really thought it was mm -hmm. cool to 
put a bunch of data in Microsoft Excel and crash it about 20 times a day just <laughs> with like 6 million rows of data, little individual geographical points that are just with, with like five columns of data on each one. That one was cool, trying to figure out how to model the Greenland ice sheet using only data from satellites. So that proves interesting because after that point, we can think about doing that on other planets, places that mm. we can't get to and go in person and go measure. I'm moving away from that, I kind of got into stratigraphy and sedimentary stratigraphy. Uh, that was like a class project that I did with my sedimentary geology class uh, as a senior in college. And I was obsessed with it. I really, really loved it. I got to go out in the field a lot. And that was different from my other research projects where I was just at a computer desk the whole time. I really loved being outside, being in the mm. field, seeing the rocks firsthand. I have a bunch of um, specimens from this formation that we studied. And that wound up being uh, presented as well. So I presented two research projects the same year. And it was so intense, completing both of them at the same time and preparing for them. That was mm. crazy but gladly they all, they all worked out. And um, now I've got those two under my belt and I might go back and do the Greenland one, maybe publish it as a paper if I get the chance to. No, that's, that's awesome. So now that we've half the listeners, their heads exploding, what, t tell us, I guess people are listening and say, this, this sounds interesting. She seems super passionate, but I don't live in Greenland and I don't know anything about any of this. Tell us why, people should care about geology and why the, the study is important to the, to the average person? Well, geology itself, not just, you know, glaciers or, or all these, all these different things. Geology is so important because if anything in the world, if it's not grown, it's mined. So geologists are, are crucial in modern society or pretty much any society to, to be able to get these resources that we use day to day. Um, in addition to that, you need scientists, you know, people who are specific to things like natural hazards, being aware of, you know, where there are, you know, possibilities for earthquakes, where there's possibilities for flooding or for landslides. Geologists are very, very necessary for a lot of things. And as, as, as time goes on, we, we get, more accurate ways of looking at all these things and we finer tune our collective understanding of the world around us and geology ties in with so many other physical sciences chemistry physics biology there's just it's got its little dirty dirt fingers in in everything and i'm glad that they're all there because it's a lot of fun and i wish people were aware that it's so important and that it's so exciting yeah. And what, so what, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned things that geologists do, uh, but talk a little bit more about people that are getting into this profession, two things, one, because it kind of is different in a lot of different science areas. One, where are most people at with their education? Are people getting into this with bachelor's, master's, doctorate degrees? Is it kind of a wide variety or do you have to go, um, you know, to that terminal level with, with your degree? That's one part. And then also kind of give us some, some jobs, people that, that have these degrees are, are doing. Well, a lot of, a lot of people can get, you can, you can get a lot of different jobs right out of um, college with just a bachelor's degree. Um, and you can do things like uh, consulting where mm -hmm. you 
work with a company that gets hired by development companies, construction companies. They put a geologist out on a construction site and tell everybody if it's okay to, uh, to build, to build there, you know, because of any hazards, because of the ground material, you also have to take soil samples and water samples. Sometimes you have like a, a hydrogeologist or a hydrologist go and do that. A lot of these things fall under a big umbrella called geoscience. Geology is a part of geoscience and all these other things, geochemistry, hydrogeology, all those things are part of geoscience as well. So when it comes to getting jobs in these different geoscience fields, a lot of the time you just need that one geology degree. Most, most colleges, uh, at least in the US, they don't really offer things that are more specific than that. Maybe, you know, I have heard of environmental geology being a very common one. Uh, which is also helpful if you wanted to do consulting as well. Mm. And it's, you don't have to, you know, go super, super specific into it, but it does help to take classes, you know, alongside that. If you want to do geochemistry, maybe go on and take um, organic chemist chemistry, which sucks. A lot of people hate that. Mm. All of my friends who were geology majors who took orgo, like wanted to cry every, every day but then the rocks consoled them. Yeah. There's a lot of other things you can do with just the bachelor's degree. I mean, there are so many different sub sectors of geoscience and it's hard to like recall all of them. Whenever someone asks me, I usually kind of like refer them to um, all the resources that I gather. So mm -hmm. I have a li whole list of like things, different jobs based on different countries. But mm -hmm. one of the, one of the main ones that I had looked into was um, engineering geology and geology mm. engineering. Those are big things. If you go on to become a geologist and you also want to do engineering, those people make a lot of money. That's something that's good. A lot of people, they think that the only jobs that exist for geologists are in oil and gas. That's not the case. Mm. Um, yeah, there are a lot of jobs in that, but there are actually more jobs in the US for geologists and renewable energy than there are in oil. So you may look up and see like, oh, what's the average salary for a geologist? And if it's in the six figures, that's because it's skewed by the salaries that you get in oil, oil and, uh, and gas. But that's not, that doesn't represent us as a whole. It isn't the only option. And there's honestly, there's better options. So if, you know, that's something that you go into, I know a lot of people who have gone into that and then they are stuck there because it's the only thing that, that they can do and they hate it and they feel weird about, about it. But some people leave it and they go on to do other things with their knowledge, working in renewable energy and geothermal. Yeah, I could. I mean, I, I really never even thought about that, but I could imagine just the, I don't know, the conundrum people that get into geology probably get into if that's where most of the money, where the good money is. But it's also probably something that people definitely that I've studied this are probably not super, super stoked to, to be a part of. So I feel like that would be an interesting world. Absolutely. And it's, it's something that people have reached out to me saying like, oh, my parents don't approve of me wanting to study geology. They think that there are no jobs. They think that there's no work that it's, you know, it's a, it's a waste of time, a waste of money, a waste of a major, mm. you know, and then they say, well, I don't want to work in oil. That's where the only jobs are, but it's not, there's, 
so many other options and geology is a really up and coming growing field because a good chunk of geologists are baby boomers and they're all retiring right now. So now there's all these job openings that are coming up and they are getting filled by young, bright people who have all these different ideas and perspectives. And it's going to be, if, if, if we can successfully convince a whole new generation to become geologists, we can fill that fill that space of all these job openings and continue to, um, I guess, improve our knowledge of the world and also improve how we interact with the world, with the, the natural world. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that your work kind of in, in the communication of, of all this is kind of probably going to going to help with that. So that's really awesome for sure. Let's get to kind of, I feel like I've been asking you like job interview, tough questions. Let's get to some more, uh, I guess the fun questions. I know you've got a yeah, big, right. a big uh, rock collection. What makes, what makes a rock, you know, something you want to put on your mantelpiece rather than just one that's out there mm. in the world. What makes a cool rock for you? I like rocks that are rough. I don't like polished rocks. I don't like anything. I, I, don't, I don't even really like beach rocks because when they're rounded and especially if they're tumbled or polished, you're taking away a lot of the really cool properties. Like you're taking away the texture of it. I like holding something that's like rough and raw and natural. And I, I really like metamorphic rocks because they have all of these different um like sometimes they can have uh, this thing called foliation where it looks like there's uh, stripes in the rock. And then sometimes in metamorphic rocks, there's just been so much happened to that poor, poor rock deep underground. It's been pressed, it's been squished. So sometimes those stripes can be wiggly and I really enjoy that. And they have these big crystals in them. Certain metamorphic rocks can have large crystals and that's also where you find garnets. Garnet is very commonly found in certain metamorphic rocks and garnet is my favorite mineral. So um, a lot of my favorite rocks are um, metamorphic rocks that have garnets in them, which really just gets me so excited. Can you tell what these rocks are from? I mean, a lot of rocks just kind of look, kind of look the same, which I'm sure you're going to, you don't necessarily think no, so. No, they but... totally do. A so lot mo- of rocks look the same. <laughs> yeah. They, so are most of these rocks is kind of the cool stuff kind of hidden in there. I'm thinking of just like a, a you know geode obviously it looks one way on the outside and totally different on the inside is that how a lot of these rocks are or is the things that you're talking about things you can see regardless of where you're looking at if you're looking at on the outside or the inside um geodes are a very specific case that's something right. where uh, a pocket has existed in a, in a rock you know maybe the there was like water that just kind of ate away at the rock inside and flowed out. And now you have a little crystal on the inside, but that's not that. I actually don't find geodes that cool. I'm more interested in rocks that look cool on every angle. So I'm going to keep talking about metamorphic rocks as an example, then Um, looking at a metamorphic rock, it's the same on the outside as it is on the inside, you know, Um, for for the most part, depends on the angle that you're looking at it. Find one for you here. This is a metamorphic, adjacent rock the audience can't see this but i'm showing i'm showing you where it all just looks very uniform all the way around it's full of this dark mineral called amphibolite and it's also got these big chunks of garnet and if it's broken along a corner of the garnet i can see it more as like a three-dimensional shape 
versus a flat thing on the surface of the rock. And it's all these different angles you can hold it at to get the different crystal planes, just like flashing it as like a reflection. It's so, it's so exciting to me. And I just, I think it's just a human nature just to like sparkly things. I, mm. Mm, it's wonderful. <laughs> I, I really just like rocks that have shape and dimension to them instead of just being like one flat, you know, one surface that looks cool and then nothing else looks looks cool yeah yeah well you told me before we started recording that you're not where you normally are i think that you're that you're away from home so you either were kind of prepared and brought a rock with you here or (laughs) that you just continuously have rocks around you even when you're out at home i'm just wondering what's happening here um, so this is actually one of the rocks that I bring back and forth with me to my, okay. uh, to my apartment and to my parents' house. Like yeah. I always have to have it with me, this one and my favorite rock, which is a sedimentary, um, sandstone and it's orange and stripey. This one is striped, but it's not because it's metamorphically striped because it's got different layers of sand in it, which is exciting. But I take these two rocks with me everywhere I go pretty much because they're my two favorite rocks. And this one happens to be a bottle opener. So I use that to open up my, my beer when I do my, my live streamed uh, rocks and hops lessons. That's interesting. That's, that's cool for sure. Uh, Obviously. I I mean, I feel like, well, I don't want to say obviously, I really have no idea, but I think the world is kind of made up of, of a certain rock or, or whatever. What my question to you is when you travel across the country because I know in Indiana, you know, we're kind of famous for limestone and a lot of things are made out of limestone across the country. Is there a lot of different kinds of, of rocks to, to be found or is it kind of the core of everything, the base of everything, the same rock? It absolutely varies in the Northeast where I'm at. Um, if I drive maybe just like three and a half hours, I get to be in a place that is full of metamorphic and igneous rocks. Um, and then if I drive a couple hours in the other direction, I'm looking at all sedimentary rocks and it has to do with all the different little puzzle pieces of, of land that got put together when Pangea was, was made when all the continents came together, um, at all the edges of them, you had metamorphic rocks happening because you're squishing two pieces together. And now when everything came apart, we just have all these all these little uh, patches of, of different kinds of rocks. And uh, out West, when I went to Death Valley for field camp in college, I got to see a whole different kind of sedimentary rock. And I, I've never seen before because they don't exist out where I, where I live. They're different ages. They have different fossils in them. And it's really cool to see. You can find the same quote unquote kind of rock. They have the same name. They have the same texture or or classification but they can be so vastly different you know i have a sandstone from one part of the country and a sandstone from another part of the country and they're two different colors they're two different ages they're made of different things they were made because of different circumstances and it it just goes to show you how dynamic the field of geology is because they can be called the same thing and they can essentially be the same thing, yet they're still so different. So our job as uh, geologists is to be earth detectives and to piece together how that rock formed, why it formed, what the, what the earth was like at the time it formed. And, and it's just so, 
ah, it's just so exciting. And you're getting all worked up, excited about the earth. Oh, man. <laughs> I like it. Well, I need some of that energy and adrenaline because I'm going to ask you now these rapid fire questions. I'm like I, I was telling you before we started, I'm sure you could you could spend 10 minutes on each of these questions. At least I think so. Maybe some of these are real easy, but hopefully I got eight questions for you in rapid fire. Maybe we can get them done in 10 minutes or maybe you're going to get it done in three minutes. But are, are you ready for it? Yes, let's go. All right. Number one, what is at the center of the earth? A solid nickel and iron alloy core at the very, very center. And then around that is a nickel and iron nickel outer core, which is liquid. How and why did the continents spread apart? You just talked about Pangea. Tell us how they spread apart. There are a lot of forces at play. And when you have Sometimes in the middle of the ocean, plates are just kind of moving apart because there's new magma coming up in between them in the in like the, the, the crack. And it's pushing new rock out along the side. That's really hard to demonstrate or to explain without using my hands. Yeah. Um, as that gets, you know, pushed and you're putting new rock up into that crevice, you are pushing all the other rock away from it. So in the other end of the plate, there is, you know, some old rock on the way, way other side that's getting shoved underneath another plate. Mm. And when that happens, it, their gravity kind of takes over a little, a little bit to an extent gravity takes over and you're also pulling the plates in the opposite direction. I wish I could demonstrate with my hands. I hate, I hate podcast interviews because I talk with my <laughs> hands and this is so hard to convey, but it's essentially called um, ridge push and slab pull. Those are the two things that are associated with um, plate tectonics. Gotcha. So uh, what's the most common type of rock and mineral in the world? That is probably basalt think that is the biggest one basalt is well a lot of the earth's crust is is made of basalt but we don't see it because it's way down there all that new stuff that comes out of the the the, the crack in the middle of the ocean that's all basalt so a lot of the ocean underneath all the sin is made up of basalt so technically it's the most uh, common one personally in my experience, because I don't know the actual statistic, but I think that the most common rock I see, unfortunately, is quartzite. And I hate it. It's my least favorite rock. It's stupid. It's ugly. It's boring. <laughs> and I hate it when someone shows me a rock and they go, oh, my God, what rock is this? It's quartzite. Put it back down and wash your hands because that's no, that's bad. Well, I want to ask you more about that in a second, but let's let's get back to these. What is carbon dating? Carbon dating is not something that we do in geology a lot, actually, because yeah. carbon only has a half-life of 14,000 years. Mm. So that doesn't really help us when we're trying to date something that might be hundreds of millions of years old, because it just, we, we can't really go back that far when well, we go half, 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 and half. Well, let's so not waste we our rapid fire on that then. It's not, it's not for you. All right. So, All right. uh, Craters versus canyons. What's the difference? A crater um, can happen for a couple different reasons. You can have a volcanic crater or you can have an impact crater. That happens when, you know, something crashes into the earth and it leaves a little hole behind because it vaporizes everything that was there. 
Um, and if you have a volcanic crater, there might have been a volcanic eruption that exploded. It was an explosive one and it blew a hole. Uh, you can see one of those on Mount St. Helens. There's just like a giant coal, little crater on the side where um, there was an explosion and rock just flew out. Can also have that happen when um, like a magma chamber collapses um, and you have like a big old crater. Crater Lake, um, I think that's in Washington. Don't quote me on that. I don't know geography. I, okay. I'm so bad at that. There is a, uh, a lake inside an old volcanic crater. And I think, I think it might be within a national park. It's beautiful. I would love to go to go there and, uh, and see, see that. Oh, and then a canyon is what happens when you have water running through something for a really, really long time. And it just carves and just makes a nice little, you know, a canyon. Water running for millions of years can do that sometimes. It's hypothesized, it's estimated that the Grand Canyon took around five to six million years of running water to form. What makes a, a stone precious versus non-precious? They all seem pretty precious to me, unless they're, I guess, that one that you hate so much. Oh, Quartz, I could never be precious to anybody. And if it is, then I will tell them that they're wrong. <laughs> um, precious stones are things that humans assign value to um a select group of humans went and said okay here are some cool minerals that we think should be precious and we'll put them in museums and charge lots of money for them which is i think it's just it's just the way it is um i get a lot of like question if what's a you know rock versus a stone is the same thing you know it's just another way to call it just you know, it depends on who's at, who's asking and who's responding. Everyone has different things. So does it have anything to do with, you know, rarity or scarcity or not even really at all? It's just a matter of oh, what people. Diamonds are not rare whatsoever. That is just a scam. Oh, yeah. um, it just has to do with beauty. It's, it's really what we assign um, aesthetic value to, you know, that, that makes it exciting and, and, you know, um, important to, to people in ancient Greece, amethyst was considered, you know, a precious stone because it was so beautiful and it was used a lot in, um, in rituals. So that, you know, that's despite being super abundant, it's precious to them. Yes. So that's how, that's how it's always been. And that's how it is today. Absolutely. What, uh, what makes a fossil? What makes a fossil? Well, first, um, you have to die and then you have to get buried by stuff that is going to preserve your body very, very well. I don't know why I'm talking about this as, as if like you were the person who's going to become a fossil. Um, I'm so sorry. I might as well just roll with it. We're already going <laughs> after that. You will have to sit there for a really, really, really long time where everything that's around you, probably not necessarily dirt, probably you know, sediment and rock. So less of organic material and more of, of uh, inorganic material like sand versus dirt. After that point, you'll have to be, you know, well-preserved for long enough to keep a lot of um, breakage away. And then there will be water running through that sediment and then will replace all of your body parts like your bones and stuff with uh, a mineral just that's like like remineralization and that creates um think think that one is a mold 
Yeah. I think that we call that a mold. So a cast is if, you know, your whole body just like decomposed and forever and all of it was lost and there was no minerals going on. You just create like a shell inside this Jackson shaped hole. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's, you know, there's a couple different kinds of fossils and then there's trace fossils. You left a footprint behind that's a trace fossil. Um, yeah, that would be that. I'm so sorry. I, I, I directed this towards, towards you. I feel like I could be, I could turn it into a lot worse things than a fossil. So I, I like it for sure. <laughs> rapid fire done. I don't feel like it was even all that rapid fire. You did it in eight minutes. Nice. You, I feel like you just started taking your time because you're like, these are easy. I'm going to be able to do this. No problem. A couple of things I want to point out from what you, uh, what you said there. One, I like that you mentioned, you know, the whole thing about precious and non-precious that it has nothing to do with, with scarcity or rarity. Cause that's what I've read before I've done. I, um, my weirdness is about just researching all kinds of interesting, goofy stuff and the whole De Beers and how they've, what they've done with diamonds. Oh yeah. Is, is nuts. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. That's all I'll say about that. Um, and then also with fossils, is that anything you're interested in? You don't like geodes, which is what a lot of people like. I feel like you're also going to tell me, eh, fossils, I don't care about that either. Uh, no, I actually really do like fossils, okay. but I have zero interest in dinosaurs or plants. My love really lies in um, clams and oh. and um, clams and sponges and corals and the this like cousin of clams that went extinct a long long time ago because they just they were occupying a similar niche to clams but they they somehow weren't doing it well enough and i also love trilobites which went extinct because they were really really bad at like they were just they went extinct theoretically they went extinct because they're really really bad at shedding their exoskeleton so see i'm not too deep into the understanding of fossils i just mm -hmm. think they're neat and mm -hmm. i like trilobites because they were just so bad at this basic life behavior that mm -hmm. they often got stuck in their exoskeletons while trying to get out of it and um, they got eaten or died there or decapitated themselves yeah well that's that's interesting for sure i i only have one fossil i guess i should have brought it with me up here but i didn't but it's a plant so you're not impressed by that at all oh those are still cool though what is it a fern <laughs> i think so i think so yeah probably probably a super common one i didn't pay very much for it but yeah and the last thing i want to ask you about this rapid fire is you we learned about your severe distaste for a certain kind of rock never met a person that's just spits anytime they talk about a certain rock. What do you, what do you hate so much about this rock? Um, it is just so boring. Quartzite <laughs> is what you get when sandstone gets metamorphosed. So it's a bunch of quartz, quartz, tiny little quartz grains, and then you cement them together using more quartz. And then you heat it up and squish it a, a, a lot. And then all those little grains fuse together and then it comes out of the mountain, uh, comes out from under underground, it gets exposed, winds up at the beach or in a river. And now you just have this stupid, ugly white rock that's round and it just looks dumb. It's boring. This, this just looks dumb to me. I have seen cool quartzite, mm. but it's not like 
real quartzite. It's just, it's quartzite that has other things going on with it. So that's where I think it's redeemable, but quartzite itself, it sucks. Home Depot quartzite is a joke. Um, a lot of Home Depot stuff is a joke, which is fun as a geologist because you can go there and you can look at the stuff that's very obviously wrong, but they can also give you free samples if you say that you're remodeling your kitchen or your bathroom. So I've been going to different Home Depots and Lowe's and just getting those little countertop samples because they're free rocks and I, I get to look at them and it's like, oh, I have a little rock now. I have a marble and I have a gabbro from Home Depot, there two different go. Home Depots so that I couldn't look suspicious. I gotcha. Yeah, I was going to ask whether there was any redeeming quality as far as like making them into buildings or cabinets, but it sounds like maybe they they turn into cabinets. So there's at least something. They're not all sometimes. Bad. Well, the quartzite at Home Depot sometimes they'll they'll have something that's called quartz, and something that's called quartzite, and depending on who names it and who feels like they're going to do that today, I think quartz countertops. I think that's what I'm thinking of. That is just like little pieces of of, of mineral that has just been stuck, stuck into resin and it's not a real rock. It's like a man-made joke, um, <laughs> which is, which is great, I guess. I, I like the, I like just the, the passion you've got behind some of this. I just, I'm so opinionated about rocks. <laughs> I like it. So I w- recently went to Home Depot myself. I had to put edging around my patio and I put river rocks. What do you think that stuff is? Is it hard oh, to it's tell? Probably shale. It's probably shale or depends colors. on what color I like they are. It. All are they colors. are they are all different kinds of colors? Uh-huh. Hmm. So they really can be anything then. When I think of river rocks, a lot of the rocks that I've seen where I've done research and field trips, all the rocks in in, in rivers that I've been to have been have been shale or limestone or sandstone. Well, as long as they're not quartzite, because that's going to be disgusting. Mm-hmm. If so, yeah, quartzite is a lot harder to uh, round out into a river rock because it's more resistant than okay. other rocks, like um, you know any meta some metamorphic rocks it gets complicated uh minerals you can classify and you can rank them based on how resistant and hard they are but rocks it gets so more it's it's so much more complicated you really you really can't measure that until you try to crack it open and you're like this is the hardest rock i've ever tried to crack open Mm. and it's crazy yeah so i'm going to kind of get into your, you know, your, your geology communication area, and then some other kind of higher level questions. So before I get to that, definitely with science, because people just have so much passion for, for what they do and you're, you're definitely do as well. So this question I feel like is either going to be a, a good one for you. You're either going to draw a blank. You're going to want to tell me a million things or <laughs> something else. But before we kind of move into something outside of specific geology, any other fun facts about rocks geology that you think everyone that's listening needs to know hmm well you mentioned you you mentioned uh precious rock precious stones and gems before ruby and sapphire are the same are the same thing just with different expressions of 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 color they have a slightly different um inclusions in them they're essentially the same mineral are they around the same price or no Uh, i don't know it's it it depends. I, okay. I really like, I, I, I like this one specific uh, kind of sapphire. It's, it's like, it's like a 
nice little teal almost. It's, I think it's called like a Montana Sapphire. I think those are so pretty. I don't really care for rubies. So I don't really know what those prices are, but because I want a Sapphire engagement ring, I have looked at the prices for those. So I know how much those cost. Rubies, who knows? Who knows? Gotcha. Certainly not me. How do you feel about turquoise? I feel like people with like macrame plants <laughs> and stuff behind them are big I don't live in the turquoise. Southwest, so I don't really gotcha. have a taste for it. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I don't know if you've told us, I know you told us kind of a, your classification of favorite rock. Did you tell us your favorite rock? And I missed it. What's your favorite rock? It's a metamorphic rock called Nice. It's spelled G-N-E-I-S-S, and it opens up the opportunity for so many puns. Geologists love puns because there's just so much opportunity for it. There's also a metamorphic rock called Schist, so you can say, nice schist. (laughs) I I like that. I do like that. So tell us, kind of moving away from specific geology, you touched on it when we first started talking, but what made you decide that you wanted to kind of move into the communication area? Because mm-hmm. I, I know, you know, with, with a lot of scientists, they, they're, and this is stereotyping to the, to the max, but I don't know that they necessarily, that's their strong suit. I feel like scientific background people are a little bit more, sometimes a little bit more reserved when it comes to things, because, you know, they're very focused on their, their work. So the people that do this communication side of things, the ones I've talked to, I'm always just really enamored by. So tell me uh, what got you into this. You're absolutely right. Just to start off, you are entirely right about scientists not really being good at communicating their science. And it is a problem in every corner of the scientific community where we are doing all this research and we're discovering things and we're learning new things. And it's not really getting shown to the public. You know, maybe they're specifically necessary for you know, the companies needing to know something about the land or the government needing to know something about about, about the land, but the public never really gets that understanding of it. So, you know, when research gets published, it's usually behind a paywall. You have to pay hundreds of dollars just to read a paper or you have to sign up to, you know, pay a certain amount per month just to read a paper. It's, it's really awful that so much of science is like just behind a gate. It's gatekeeping science. So I am part of a growing community of geocommunicators where we are so dedicated to breaking down that barrier for our science specifically, because one, it's not one a lot of people know or know about or care about. And two, we are naturally very friendly people. I, I haven't met a geologist who wasn't super just friendly and enthusiastic. And I feel like we are the perfect scientists to do something like this because we're already just like so excited about our things and we are very, you know, person personable. And I have met so many like, um, like older geologists who are just like the sweetest old guys. And I'm just, I, I could talk to you for hours. You're wonderful. And it just takes a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of effort about communication and being able to talk to other people and communicate to a large audience about this science that we're so knowledgeable about. And so the place that's really helpful to do that is on social media. And I, oh, I'm going to get to why I got into this. Um, I 
was a senior in college. I was about to finish my degree. COVID happened, got sent home, really depressed, really just everything sucked. And then I wind up um, downloading TikTok because a lot of people did that when pandemic sent everybody home. So I just got interested in making videos and eventually I made a geology video because it was relatable to me being a science, you know, a, a STEM major, a geology major, and that video blew up. So I made a couple more geology videos and those were doing really, really well. And people were just saying, all right, just do that. Just do geology videos. I was like, all right, cool. And then I started, you know, about by that time it was summer and I had gotten my diploma and I didn't have any job prospects. I was, you know, waiting to reapply to grad school because I had missed the opportunity the previous year. So I'm just like, all right, I can't go get a job right now because I'm waiting on grad school. I can't just work there for, you know, however many months and then leave. So I'm like, all right, I got to do something so I don't forget all this cool rock knowledge. I'm going to go teach live stream lessons. I'm going to go on TikTok live and just teach a lesson about geology. And so I did that and it was a great success and I really loved doing it. And that was August of 2020. And we're coming up on two years of rocks and hops. And it's so, it's so great to just think about where that took me because since I was gaining popularity on TikTok with my lessons and with my videos, I was making a name for myself in the geology community. And I was able to connect with other people doing what I'm doing and also connect with other people who want to do this. And they, they want to be able to communicate geology in this, in this way. And I watched so many of these people grow to becoming these really well-known people as well, which is just really great to see. It shows that when you're passionate about something and there are cool things to say about every field, everything always. And, um, just giving it the right amount of, I guess, giving it to the right platform. You're really able to, um, reach a large audience and find those people who are going to really like that. So that's really where, that's how I ended up in this, but it's a lot more than TikTok now. Absolutely. And I want to talk about that, you know, that social aspect, social media aspect and TikTok as the question after this one, the last kind of really, I guess, deep question that I've got for you is in your answer there, you kind of just mentioned it about how there's a lot of really cool older guys that are in this profession that you just wish was, you know, got out there and communicated more in any science work profession, any STEM profession, there is kind of a, a gap in females being represented in the, in the profession. How do you think that can, can change? Obviously people like you out there that shows, you know, younger people that if somebody looks like you that is doing it, then I can do it too. But just tell us uh, where you think that, that we can, we can help, uh, you know, these young gals rock it just like you are. It's all just about um, rolling with it and giving women the room that they need, not necessarily twisting everything around and going, oh, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. Women want to study this. And they're, I, as far as I know, that the people that have reached out to me, a lot of women have reached out to me, girls in high school to college, they're asking like, oh, how do I get into this? How do I do this? I have never had a, a girl or a woman ask me, 
What's it like to be in this field that's so male dominated? Like, we're not thinking about that whatsoever. We're just excited to get into it. So the best thing that people can really do in this field to be accepting of women entering it is just to be chill, be chill about it and let them do their, do their thing. Take them seriously, you know, just be as respectful to them as you would be to anybody else. No, I, I love that. I wish that was always the answer I got from, from other science fields. So I love this. Sounds like geology maybe is getting things right. So I like that it a lot. So. It, it really, when it comes to certain job fields that you go into and certain academic fields that you might uh, go into when you're in school, it really varies. And it's all just upon the I guess the vibe at your university or the vibe at your job, but it, it varies place to place. I know of women who are geologists working on construction sites and they do not have a great time with that because the people that they're interacting with are not geologists. They're construction dudes and they are generally pretty awful men, but there are people who work in labs and, you know, work for, you know, the geologic survey and they have had great experiences from their coworkers and it's very equally male and female in some departments. I spoke to a woman who works in the, she works for the United States geological survey and in her department in the, the facility that she's working at, there are, I think more women than men, she said, which is awesome. Now that's, that's cool for sure. So now I want you to shout out all of these, uh, these connection points, the TikTok. I don't know your, your YouTube's kind of been sporadic. I'm not sure whether you want to <laughs> shout that out. You're more than welcome to shout out anything uh, that you got. I also want you to tell, you know, the, the listener what they're going to, uh, to get from, from your YouTube video, or excuse me, from your TikTok videos. I mean, the big thing with science is just finding a way to be accessible. And that's what I think that you've kind of mastered to make these things easy for anyone to understand. I've listened to some of these uh, TikTok videos you got, and I have obviously you've learned today. I have no idea anything about geology, <laughs> but I still can understand what you're saying. So I think that's a, that's a key. So tell us a little bit about all of those uh, connection points. I started out making relatable geology videos and I still do that. I of course have educational videos as well, but I think a lot of my videos wind up being relatable and people who are already into geology really enjoy them. Um, but there's also someone who might look at that and not know anything. And they're like, Oh, I want to be in on the joke teach me about this and they follow or they ask me a question and I'm always responding to DMs like and, and comments, answering questions and explaining things to people. But you can expect relatable stuff and then you can expect to be so curious that you want to learn more to be in on it. And that is the, that's the trick. That's how I get you. And then you can also expect my uh, live streamed lessons um, every, every Wednesday. I do these weekly lessons on TikTok. Um, might be moving to a different platform, but we'll see. And those recordings have been slowly being edited and they will be up on YouTube. The first one from April of last year, it's been sitting in my, on my computer for over a year. That one is finally going to be up by the end of this month. I'm so excited for you guys to be able to watch that and learn about rocks. That video was an introduction to rocks. So if you're interested in learning more about the, um, all those metamorphic rocks I keep mentioning, you can watch that and learn a bit about it. I like it. I like it. Final question. I've also got all these. I've also got my Instagram page where I, I'm able to post, 
you know, more descriptive stuff. That's more than just a video. I can have these really long explanations. I put things on my story. People are always sending me pictures of rocks, asking me to identify them and I can do it. Sometimes people take really, really bad pictures. (laughs) I have a, I also have a, a Patreon that I just uh. I keep writing about it. I started a Patreon that has all kinds of like exclusive stuff on it. And I have my podcast, my own podcast mm. that's coming back up. I finally got it on Spotify. I've got two episodes that are getting published. Awesome. For sure. And at the end, I want you to kind of give us those actual connection points. But the very last question that I have for you is let's say we're talking in, in five years, you already talked about that you're interested in grad school. Maybe you've already, you've already knocking that out, but where, where do you hope things are in five years? Are you moving more into this, you know, the hard, harder part of geology, the research side, are you wanting to grow this communication side into, you know, a, an empire? Where, where are we at in five years? <laughs> I really want to go to grad school. It was something that I was devastated about when I got those rejection letters, you know, after applying, I got my, you know, got those rejection letters and it was, a little bit disheartening, but doesn't discourage me whatsoever. My dream is to be a professor. That's been my dream for so many years. And I've always known I wanted to teach. So if I can't be a professor and uh, having gone through grad school right now, then I'm still going to teach to people. So it depends on where the application process takes me. I'm hoping to uh, attend the big national G- uh, GSA conference, which is the Geological Society of America. There's a huge you know, national conference happening in October. I'm hoping to go there and make some more connections and talk to people in all these different fields that I'm interested in and try to come up with something that I really want to focus on um, and get my master's in. And then, you know, years down the line, back for my PhD, it all depends. It's hard for me to know five years down the line. I could not have expected I would be here yeah. A year, a year ago or two, two years ago. God, it's, it's crazy that it's all ended up here and it's such a wacky turn of events, but it's going where I want it to. And that's, that's great. I, I, I gave, I gave a Ted talk, well, a, a, a TEDx talk, which yeah. is insane. I never thought I would ever do, do that, but hopefully that's something that I can put on my little grad school application in there. Are they going to reject me that time? We'll see. Well, we'll be- see. best of luck to you and in, in all of that, for sure. I, I think, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine that they'll, they'll reject you. So I, uh, I, I think you're, not. you're off to, to big things for sure. Tell us the exact connection points, these handles for TikTok and Instagram and your Patreon. I'm going to put them on the show notes too, but just say them verbally too, if you would. All right. Well, my Instagram is groovy geologist. And so is my Patreon. Those two have the same um, name. I think my YouTube is also Groovy Geologist now. And then mixing it up, we got Rock Talk Kate on TikTok. I wanted to change that one to Groovy Geologist, but I'm still so stuck on Rock Talk. I couldn't, I couldn't change it. My show that I do on TikTok is called Rocks and Hops. And my podcast, which is now on Spotify, is called The Schist of It. See, we, we love our puns. I like it. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. This is really, this is really, really nice because you had such fantastic questions and I'm so happy that we were able to get through them without me going completely off the rails and getting too excited about geology. 
So that was Kate Larson, awesome person. She just mentioned about going off the rails, getting too excited about geology. I think that's kind of the the charm in, in her and why people are so enamored by her videos. I think that just her passion behind geology and how much people can tell that she loves the subject is something that I think a lot of people are drawn to. And that's the reason why I wanted to talk to her, just because I knew that she'd be a great person to kind of explain this whole realm of the science world, the geology world answer all these silly questions that I had. She did an amazing job. Really, really appreciate her time. I'm sure you learned a lot as well. If you're from Kate's channel, maybe some of this stuff, you're like, I've heard this before. The Groovy Geologist has already told me this. Rock Tide Kate's already told me all this. Well, if you are from her uh, her realm, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll check out some other videos. Uh, if you're one of our regular listeners, hope you learned a lot from uh, from her about geology, as I'm sure you did. All of her information will be in the show notes, of course. Go give her some love. Follow her. Watch those TikToks. Check out that podcast. All the amazing things. If you want just a little bit more information on a lot of different things in geology, Kate is definitely your person for that, and she presents it in just a really amazing way, too. Again, thanks so much, Kate, for being here. Of course, if you're new here or you haven't yet done it, go check us out on Instagram, Not Enough Podcast. Subscribe on Apple. Subscribe on Spotify. I guess it would be follow there. Give us those five stars on Spotify and Apple. Write a review on Apple. Always appreciate that. But thanks for being here. Thanks, Kate, for being here. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not In A Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.